to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm here with Maria Idrisi. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> as usual, I'll give, uh, I'll give Maria a, uh, a brief introduction because she's far too modest uh, to, uh, to speak about her achievements as I will. So Maria is a, a model, a speaker, uh, a public figure, uh, and uh, the model agency that she's with at the moment is Insanity. Sounds like an intriguing yeah. thing. <laughs> Insanity group, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a speaker, uh, in, and I'm talking like a proper speaker, TEDx, uh, in uh, 2016, we'll talk about that a bit more, uh, does some work with uh, Super Network, which is a a uh, creative agency of sorts that does uh, a, a really wide variety of things and an ambassador for Islamic Relief UK uh, which is a, a great uh, institution um, doing many things around alleviating suffering, hunger, illiteracy, disease and, and many other things uh, beside that. Maria um, gained prominence as the uh, first I guess Muslim hijab wearing model uh, in an H&M commercial called Close the Loop back in 2015. And uh, it was more than just a, an appearance. I think what Maria's done since then is really uh, become a spokesperson and a face for uh, modern British uh, life and uh, modern British fashion uh, and a real icon in, in that respect. Uh, she was <laughs> scouted, we'll talk about this story, yeah. <laughs> at a shopping centre, I won't, I won't give too much away, but she's had appearances in Elle magazine, Marie Claire, Teen Vogue, and many, many others, too numerous to mention. The New York Times uh, wrote an article on Maria and said that the story of Maria has prompted a discussion about women who are reclaiming the headscarf as a form of stylish self-expression. I, I, I think you can see that already in the, uh, in the image here for those of you who are watching on, on YouTube. Uh, and she's got some um, uh, spectacular hidden talents that we might uh, that we might be able to um, encourage her to do around accents. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a surprise. If you're up for that, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So welcome, Maria. Thank you. Thank it's you a, it's a, it's an impressive range of things that you've achieved in a very short period of time and an awfully long runway ahead. I'm sure. Yes. I like that. <laughs> it's the runway here. So let, let's um, let's start by uh, grounding uh, grounding in in history here. You were um, born and brought up in London. Yep. Mum, Pakistani. Dad, Moroccan. Moroccan. <laughs> so mixed. Uh, an incredible, uh, flavorful mixed race family, and uh, went to school, I guess, in in London. Yes, went to school in the UK. Um, I've never lived abroad. So I've travelled a lot, but I've always come back home. <laughs> well, anyone who, who follows Maria on Instagram will know that you're an intrepid traveller. Every time I see you, you're standing in a different country <laughs> these days, it seems. So that it keeps me sane. <laughs> yeah. Keeps you sane. So tell me how, how the modelling thing came about. Okay, so I was scouted in, in your local shopping centre, <laughs> which is uh, Shepherd's Bush, Westfields. And I was at that time. I was actually working part time managing a children's shop, and a woman called Coralie. She's got. Were you working own. in the Westfield? Yeah, it was okay, a right. shop called Trotters. It's okay, yeah, no, yeah, you know Trotters, yeah. 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 Uh, so I was there, and um, a woman called Coralie. So she has her own casting agency. Just 
said, hey, can I take a picture of you? You look really cool. And I was like, okay, uh, what for? That's <laughs> a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> Coralie's so cool. It's so weird because after that, we, we have so many mutual friends that, you know, we just discovered recently. And um, yeah, so she took a picture of me for her, for her roster. And then a few weeks later, she gives me a call and says, hey, H&M want to use you for a campaign. And it's funny because my background really is in film. So when she said casting agent, initially, I didn't right. ask that many questions at the time. So I just assumed it was like film casting for right. extras and stuff like that. And when she said H&M, I was almost like disappointed. I was like, oh, it's fashion. <laughs> I thought I was going to be in a movie. Okay. And then um, I went to do it anyway. I thought nothing of it. I genuinely thought I'm going to be in this video for a couple seconds. No one's going to recognize me or, or care. But then they also took editorial shots of me. And I think it was that that went more viral than anything because right. it was the first time you've ever seen like a mainstream fashion logo on, on a picture with a woman in a hijab. So it just yeah blew up. My Instagram at the time was private. I was not really on social media at all. Uh, I just had to make it unprivate because I was getting all these friend requests. Right. And within like a few weeks, just went from like 200 to 20,000 followers. And I had all these interviews coming through and I, I didn't understand. I was like, what is the big deal? What is going on here? So my mom Googles my name and then we see New York Times and all these other publications writing about the world's first hijab wearing model. I was like, no, this, this must be it. Surely not. Yeah, I was like, it's 2015. I was like, it's insane. And because you know, I wear a hijab, so I'm, I'm conscious of you know other women who wear a hijab, and, and I'm familiar with some of them online. So I didn't see it as a, as a big deal. But then when I thought about, it, I was like, actually, yeah, I've never seen a woman yeah. in a main in anything really mainstream wearing yeah. wearing a hijab. And yeah, I just milked it from there. <laughs> Actually, the H&M uh, commercial itself, I've seen it is, it is about two seconds, right? It's certainly no Literally longer than that. two seconds, yeah. We all had like yeah. our little two seconds. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect. Little segments, expect. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned yeah. film, so I'm, I'm intrigued to follow up on that. Tell me about that. What, what's the film background? You thought it was film, why? So I used to do drama. I went to drama school. I wanted to be an actress growing up. And that was around the time that I wasn't wearing a headscarf. So for me, the world is my oyster. But then when I hit about 17, 18, and I, start, I chose to wear the hijab, I realized, well, that's my career done. Because <laughs> I can't imagine Wonder Woman wearing a, you know, a hijab outfit <laughs> or a covered up outfit. Was that the inspiration? So, it was Wonder Woman that you, you No, no, yeah. I just, just threw it out there. <laughs> so I, I went to uni because having cultural parents, you know, you have to go to university. So I, I did the whole uni thing and I, cho I studied English and history because I thought, well, if I'm not going to choose drama because I might not be able to do many roles, I still want to pass uni. So let me do something that I can still use in film. So I thought screenwriting, producing, right. you know, something around that area. I wasn't 100% sure. I just knew, like, this is the industry I want to be in. Yeah. But then as soon as I graduated, I got scouted. I was like, oh, well, looks like I'm in fashion. <laughs> Well, my spider sense tells me there's something in your future on this, so we'll come, we'll yeah. come back to that. Uh, and uh, after the H&M commercial, everything sort of blows up, you get these friend requests, you're uh, in demand as a speaker. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what led you on, on the path to ultimately speaking at uh, TEDx? Because that's a big deal, a right? Big that platform, was at the O2 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in, it was, in London. It was a really big TEDx as well. It was, it was actually, the, it was a New York team that, that organised it. And that was only a couple months after the H&M thing actually happened. So I think because they saw a lot of interviews I was doing, I was on the news a lot and, and TV shows, 
So I think they picked up from there, like, let's get her mm -hmm. on as a speaker to tell her story mm -hmm. in longer than like a 30 second segment. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, how long was the talk? It's about eight minutes. Eight minutes, yeah. Yeah, they normally have it around. I will link it below. If you haven't watched it, I really encourage you to watch it. It's amusing, heartfelt, and okay. uh, really insightful. And what was your key message in it? The key message was, well, I mean, the title is called Changing the Face of Fashion. So it was really around diversity and even though you know my kind of identity in, in fashion is prominently with the hijab but it's not just about the hijab it's just diversity as a whole and i do feel that since from in the last five years i'd say we have seen a real like surge you know in in just diversity and representation yeah not just in fashion but film and in all types of advertising I it's interesting because you're you're often described as the face of modest fashion. Yeah. <laughs> is that something that resonates with you? Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, I'm a face. There's there's uh, there's plenty of women, you know, <laughs> that wear a hijab that are doing doing their thing as well. I mean, modest fashion. It's like it's like a new term. I feel like it wasn't something I grew up, you know, really hearing as as something. I think it's it's a more palatable way of saying like the hijab or the khimar which is the arabic word for like a head covering just because when you when you call something a hijab so this, we were talking about this earlier it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean an actual piece of material on your head it's more of a concept so the hijab is more of a, a barrier um, and that applies to men and women so just to protect you from from sinning ultimately so it's not just within relations between men and women it could be anything it could be having that you know that modesty that kind of barrier between you and food between you know excessive buying excessive anything uh so yeah it's, it, i think modest fashion just a applies to women who just choose to cover up more than normal yeah. <laughs> you know and it's not just for muslim women there are so many jewish women christian women so many women of different backgrounds who who you know, want to cover their bodies. Um, I must say, when I when I saw the term, I thought, modest fashion, hmm, isn't it just fashion? Because uh, yeah. fashion is so individual, and, you know, it's an expression in a way of your identity yeah. and your style and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I think now it's become just fashion because modest fashion is trending. You know, I think the reason why it was given that title was because, generally speaking, there wasn't that many options for women who choose to cover up their body when when it's summertime and everything becomes you know a lot more shorter and, and um, more exposed. We felt left out. It's like okay, so we don't have many options shopping. Yes. <laughs> you know, can't you just make the dress a bit longer? You know, can't you add sleeves? So it, it, but there was like a demand for for just more options for us that choose to to cover our bodies. Yeah. And now it is the trend for everyone. You know, when you look at runways and stuff it's nothing to do with the hijab or religion it's just that's the trend that's the mode yeah, yeah. I, i've met you a couple of times uh, lucky lucky me and <laughs> i've seen you on instagram a lot and i have to say every time i see you you've got a different uh headscarf <laughs> a different hijab so d how many do you own and and and, and uh, talk to me about your fashion sense how do you think about this as an expression of you i've got loads i've got a couple couple boxes couple boxes <laughs> of, yeah. yeah a few quite a few hijabs it's, it's a part of yeah it's just a part of my identity now as well part of the branding and everything even though it's not the core thing to me it's just a part of me but because it's on my head you know it gets a lot of attention because it's so obvious 
I'm, I'm sure designers flock to you and say, hey, would you mind wearing, uh, wearing one of mine? Is that true or no? Yeah, yeah, there are, there are definitely designers that, you know, yeah. send clothes, headscarves, all sorts, yeah. And how about the abaya? Do you, you're obviously not wearing yeah. an abaya today. Um, yeah. Talk to us about the abaya, what it is, and uh, how you think about that as part of the modern fashion or modest fashion. So the abaya is more cultural um, than religious. It's mostly worn in the Middle East. You've lived, or you've been in Saudi Arabia for a while, yep. so you've seen them everywhere. Uh, I did go through a phase where, and again, that could be to do with the fact that there wasn't as many options. Mm-hmm. Again, growing up wearing a hijab, so it was just a hijab, like head covering and an abaya. Uh, but now, you know, it's different ways of, of styling yourself. So I, I do still wear an abaya, but not not as often. Mm. Also, it's it's not as practical. You know, I'm I'm like trainers, tracksuit kind of girl. It's very <laughs> long. From A to B quickly, so sometimes like, oh no, I'm tripping over myself. Oh goodness, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, I, look, I'm interested in in sort of moving moving past the the hijab and and understanding more uh, who you are mm-hmm. and um, you know how how fashion uh, is for you as a as a concept. How is it as an expression of your mm-hmm. identity? Uh, talk to me about. How you feel, uh, you know, fashion uh, plays, or what role fashion plays in modern British society or any society? I think fashion throughout history has always played a role. You know, it's, fashion has um, distinguished rich and poor people. You know, different cultures, different religious beliefs. So fashion's been it's been a part of us as long as humans have been on Earth. Uh, I think now. What I want to use combining fashion and film is to create like a, a docu-series where I show how fashion connects us all. Um, Travelling often, you know, I, I get I have the opportunity to see so many different types of cultures and, and, and backgrounds and there are so many common ground when it comes, so much common ground when it comes to the way that we dress. So if you look at India and you look at Africa, when, you, when I go to rural villages, I'm like, except for the prints being different, it's ultimately the same thing, the way women cover themselves, the way they dress. So that's something I really want to explore, how fashion actually can unite us in a way where we actually have more in common than we do different. So although these are very different places and very different cultures, yeah. in some way there's a golden thread, so to speak, that, yeah, that connects us. that connects us, definitely. Like the meaning, so it's different. So in Sri Lanka, for example, you know, um, with their saris, certain prints and materials re- represent certain things. The same with mm. West Africa, certain head wraps that they wear, or just certain prints represent different things and have different the meanings. The tartan in Scotland as well. Exactly, in Scotland, yeah. yeah. Even within Europe, it's all around everywhere in the yeah. world. So how fashion really is deeper than just just fashion, you know. That sounds like a really interesting uh, program, docu-series, yeah. you call it docu-series? Like a docu-series, yeah. That's yeah, like so where are you in that project? Nowhere, I just... <laughs> well, you've just announced it. Well, so yeah, if anyone wants to... <laughs> uh, if somebody yeah. wants to come on board and uh, and fund that or be part of yeah. that, how do they do that? Well, get in touch with me, well, I can drop, give, leave my email to you and then, yeah, that'll be, that'll be good. It's just, I've got like a little black book of all these ideas, that's definitely one of the top ones on my agenda. Well, I won't put your email below, but I'll put, uh, okay. I'll, put I'll, I'll put your social handles below. Oh yeah, below I forgot, so yeah, this might... <laughs> hey Maria, I want to marry you. <laughs> the mom emails I've had my manager receive emails saying, Maria, you've got another proposal. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, there was a little hint of an accent that just came out there before. I, this is one thing that is absolutely hilarious about your TED talk. You were talking about your father, and uh, yeah. you know, can you tell that story? Yeah, so like, 
with with all the interviews that I was doing initially when the H&M campaign just came out, there was a lot of unusual questions like, you know, are you going to join ISIS? Or not, are you going to join ISIS, but have you got any affiliation? Um, can your dad see your hair? You know, certain things. Do you wear your... How do you shower covering your head? Stupid things, absolutely ridiculous things. Um, and I think, yeah, I did some impersonations of my dad as well. Do you know what's funny? I don't even remember actually what he said. You probably... Uh, I think he, yeah, uh, he, he, he was he was quizzing you. You were doing all of these interviews on ITV or BBC, oh, yes, and he was asking why you weren't mentioning the the countries the, and, yes. the, and, and your uncle. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Do you so, remember the story? So he was like, you know, Maria, when you do this interview, make sure you remember you're from Britain. You have to put Britain up. You're talking about everywhere. You don't speak about Britain. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely make sure that I do promote the fact that yeah, as a country, you know, a lot of questions were asked around growing up and yeah. being a woman of colour and wearing a hijab and that is one thing I've always prided myself on you know being British is that I've never really experienced any like Islamophobia personally it exists definitely racism exists in the UK as well definitely but I just personally growing up in London haven't really experienced it and I think yeah, it's one of the most fortunate things about living here you know it's so diverse and multicultural yeah and that's yeah, you know, it's very much the um, part of uh, part of modern Britain. You do yeah. a pretty mean uh, American accent as well. You remember that? Yeah, I do. So you know, it's a very Valley Girl, but <laughs> <laughs> everyone gets it straight away. They know. <laughs> you got to you got to do. Can you do a New Zealand accent? Can you do a New Zealand accent? Oh, God, that, <laughs> oh my know, God, that's spooky. Really? <laughs> Jeez, is it, is it that simple? Oh. No, it's not. It's you actually got, not. No. You should got to tone it down and sound sort of like somewhat sort of guttural and uneducated. So, uh, <laughs> no, did, did a good job. That's really. Uh, that's oh, really. Good. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch more videos of just like on yes. YouTube, like the whole New Zealand accent tag or whatever. And Do you know any New Zealand uh, actors? I don't actually know. Mm. Do you know any? Uh, personally? Yeah. Yeah, a, a few. Sam Neill. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna watch him. He's a Kiwi. I don't know. Yeah, he's a Kiwi. I remember my teacher in, in Flight Brandon. of the Concords. Have you seen Flight of the Concords? No, but I know but I haven't watched it, no. Good watch it. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. Top tip, Flight of the Concords. We I'm proud we? to say that I knew the difference between an Australian and a New Zealand accent when what I first met you. Know. I think New Australian accents are more thicker. Yeah. Unless you're from Ah, oh, what's that area? Begins with A in Australia. Uh, Adelaide? Yes. Yeah. I feel like their accent's a bit different. I was I was told I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. Um, gosh, where were we? We were talking. We were talking about your uh, idea for a docu series. So, yeah. um, a wonderful concept, actually. So, if anyone's interested in Thank funding, I'll, I'll put the put the links below to uh, Maria's social handles. I will look out for my DMs. <laughs> look out for your DMs, indeed. Um, tell me what the uh, you know a month in the life of Maria looks like. You are all over the place the whole time. So yeah. Maybe let's take the, the last uh, four weeks. Where have okay. you been? What have you been doing? Wow, the last four weeks has been a good time actually. It's quite been a bit exciting. So I went, um, well, just before I was, I was away in Somalia, Kenya, and a day in Ethiopia. So that was like 10 days in the last couple of weeks. And just before that, I was in Zanzibar. So I was rocking it with my Swahilis. Yeah, <laughs> Picked up quite a bit of the language. Uh, so yeah, that's, it's been a very busy time, especially around in Africa. Um, and it's been 
producing like charity marketing content. Right. So So these are modeling jobs but they're sometimes ambassadorial things or, or Yeah, so or this actually roles. wasn't modeling at all. This was literally um, for me to present and produce essentially like documentaries, but it's really something that they can use as charities to obviously just promote the charity. Um, so the one that was most recent that I went to, the Somali and Kenya one, uh, a friend of mine works for, for a, it's a small charity and for them to have sent a production company out to Somalia and you there's no travel insurance. So like, I don't think, I don't even know if yeah. most people would do it, most companies would do it. And they need to grow obviously their, 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 their charity, their business. and. That's, that's the problem because they haven't had, had the resources to, to do that. So she, off, she asked me, would you be happy to go? And she gave me obviously the whole list of warnings and yeah, stuff. And I was like, things. this is an amazing experience. Like, I grew up with Somalians, so like, this is great, you know. Um, got together a small little team, it was three of us, and um, we're all clearly adventurers because everyone's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, yeah, filmed like a little mini doc and we're going to cut it into an advert as well for them. Oh, wicked. So I'm really happy that, because most people, I did ask a lot of people who would be willing to come just to put it out there. And, and I understand, you know, if people have got jobs and other responsibilities, but because it's unpaid. Pesky you know, jobs. Yeah, <laughs> because it's unpaid, I know that's a lot of the reason why people want to do it. So I'm really grateful that we came together because, it, yeah, it was for a good cause, you know. Most surprising experience while you're out there or funny experience? Oh, there was quite a few. I mean, Kenya, we were in the middle of a flood, oh, which really? was, didn't expect that to happen in Kenya. Yeah. We, we got stuck in a flood. I don't know how the car became like a Batmobile because it just went through the, the water was like up to nearly almost up to people's knees. Were you in Nairobi or outside? In Mombasa. Mombasa. So that was crazy. We, we woke up 6am. We didn't get back till like 2am. Yeah. Such a long day. Um, and then Somalia was interesting because we had two different people that were taking us around. One guy was very much um, real about Somali. It wasn't so optimistic, he was more realistic. and The good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. mostly bad and the ugly. So we were yeah. like, oh my God, like, what, <laughs> what have we just stepped into, you know? And then the other guy who took us around was really optimistic. He's actually from the UK, he's moved back to Somali mm -hmm. with his family. He's like, honestly, things are only getting better. So it was great to have those two perspectives, but it was funny because one evening when we were with the optimistic guy, um, we were just having our coffee similar to this in the evening, sitting on the balcony, and then we just had boom. And I was like, is that, a, is that a bomb? And he was like, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> and then he just had boom, 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 boom. And I was like, was that, was that gunshots? He was like, yeah. And I was like, that's ah, far away, we're okay. <laughs> so we, we literally, you adapt so quickly. And it's, you know, that would be rather disconcerting, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so weird how quickly we adapted because I think if that was on the first night, we would have been, you yeah. know, panicking. Yeah, sure. Especially because the first guy was telling us, oh yeah, every couple of days something, you know, blows up. But then by the fourth day, you're just, you become like the locals. You just, it's so, it's amazing how as humans we adapt. So yeah. we were kind of like, yeah. It's far away. Yeah, it's alright. Gosh. My coffee's great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the work that you're doing with uh, Islamic Relief, tell me about that organisation and uh, what drives you there. So Islamic Relief, uh, got, I think we got in touch about last, last year for a campaign called Honour Her. And that campaign was focused on just changing the kind of uh, opinions on how Muslim women are viewed 
as, as, as just being constantly into for, forced into marriages, oppressed, you know, FGM, so all these areas that uh, often associated with like honouring, uh, like honour killing. Um, so it was all about ending gender-based violence. So they did this really cool campaign where they got like an imam, you know, myself and a few other people to just say these are cultural issues, not Islamic issues, because they're always connected sure. to our religion. Yeah. And um, I went to Niger with them as w in December 2018. Was it 18? Yeah. yeah. A year ago. A year ago, yeah. My God, my mind, I was like, 17, 18? Yeah. So went there. That was, that was my first like real charity you know, visit because... I'd been working them, with them for the whole year and I, I almost felt like I, I physically need to see what's going on because people are obviously asking me like, yo Maria, do, do they really give the money? You know, what's going on with these huge charities? People are always concerned about where their money's going. So I felt like it's a responsibility. I need to physically be able to speak confidently and say, no, I can see the work they're doing with my own eyes and I've been, I'm happy. I've yeah. yeah. So they're doing amazing work, yeah. Incredible. Look, there's probably um, people watching this who are thinking about their future move after school or university, uh, maybe doing their p first pivot, maybe um, going through uh, a discovery of their own identity. Yeah. In closing, any tips or advice you'd, you'd leave us with based on your journey? I would say stop chasing, start building. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of us, I feel are, are trying to, you know, it's, it's almost back to front, like we're trying to chase something for them to build it for us when we can, we have tools and resources, especially living, you know, in the West to do a lot of things ourselves and, and collaborate more, I'd say network, a lot of, a lot of the things that I've been able to achieve um, is, is just through people I know and, and talking about what I want to do. So just having a very clear idea of what it is you want to do and being able to relate that to, to the people so that you know you can have support in making it happen. It's up to us and just do it. Yeah, just do it, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I hate that phrase, it's like, just do it, because I know for so many people it's difficult, but yeah. if, you, if you, yeah, I, I always connected from a young age, like what I'm good at and what I like doing, and that kind of, because there's a lot of things that I really enjoy doing that I was rubbish at, and a lot of things that yeah. I'm really good at but I don't enjoy doing, so I just had to find what my purpose was, it was just connecting the two, and then saying, cool, this is what I feel I need to do. Well, I think that's absolutely timeless advice yeah. <laughs> uh, that's relevant for all of us, myself included. Thank you. Uh, Maria, you're a real inspiration. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, being such a, a great icon for modern Britain and for everything that you're doing. You're really thank inspirational. You. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Paul. Thank you. <laughs>